You're listening to the Holistic Spaces podcast brought to you by Mindful Design Feng Shui School. Episode 91, Five Feng Shui Mistakes. Welcome to the Holistic Spaces podcast, where we hope to inspire, educate, and empower you to create your own holistic spaces that nurture and resonate with you. Angie Cho and Laura Morris are the founders of the Mindful Design Feng Shui School. Together, they have over three decades of experience designing harmonious living spaces. Laura and Angie have guided thousands of people to shift their energy and revitalize their lives. Mindful Design School offers feng shui courses and certifications. Check us out at mindfuldesignschool.com. If you've been listening to us for a while or you're a newbie, welcome. And we hope you enjoy this earlier episode. Let's just jump in to five feng shui mistakes. Yes, five feng shui mistakes. So maybe that, okay, I don't want to say that's clickbaity, but it is a little bit clickbaity because we're going to kind of pivot it, but we are saying maybe misconceptions would be a good way to describe it too. Because people are always, I feel that often in a lot of these practices, esoteric practices, transformational practices, there always tends to be at some point where people start to fear that they're doing it wrong or that there's something that they're doing bad or that they have bad feng shui or that they're making big, bad feng shui mistakes. And if you guys have been listening to Angie and I for a while and you followed us for a while, I think you can pretty much guess that we're not, that's not really our vibe. We're not really about making people fearful or talking about absolute do not do's mistakes. So number one, number one feng shui mistake is that there are feng shui mistakes. <laughs> so, so that in the feng shui that we practice, Angie and I and BTB, you know, we don't really have a lot of absolute do not do's because it's really hard to say that. It, it always depends. In our practice, we really want to take a larger view of the situation. You have to have a discussion with a client or with whoever is doing the feng shui. And generally, and I don't know how you feel this, but generally, I feel like there's always something you can work around because you know, what might be perceived as a bad feng shui mistake is actually, there's often more to it and it often depends. Yeah, I think it's really easy for us as humans to categorize things as good and bad. And that's the tendency and it's totally natural. And while there may be things in feng shui that are generally not recommended, that doesn't mean for your particular situation, it's right or wrong or unacceptable because first there's always wisdom in challenges. There's wisdom in things that may not be exactly the way you want it. And also part of the way we approach feng shui is that these are guidelines and we offer, you know, when we do our podcasts and our blogs and put out information in a general sense, we give guidelines but they're not hard and fast rules. This is why we love teaching the certification program because then we really dive deep with our students and teach them how to begin to discern and understand the foundations rather than just labeling this right or wrong. Because mm -hmm. there's lots of nuances. 
when we were studying and learning what the professor had been, you know, had taught our teachers, that idea of guidelines and not hard and fast rules does come up. Yeah, it's I not think, a dogma. It's not yeah. a dogma. It's a lot about too about what is right for you. I mean, obviously you want to work with when you're getting really deep and we're talking about these that, you know, take a take a stronger, a, a deeper look. You want to work with someone that knows the nuances, but just to know that, you know, number one, I think overall, especially, you know, the way, I mean, I know Angie and I can speak to how we practice in our school is that um, there's no no-nos and there's no never-dos for the most part. You know, it's always about looking at that, the client's personal chi or your personal chi first. Mm-hmm. So you know, sometimes, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Sometimes when we teach our students and do our consultations, because, you know, that's really the best way to work with feng shui is to work with an expert or to dive deep and really become a practitioner. But people are often surprised when we say, sometimes you're attracted to some negative feng shui, something that might be quote unquote negative feng shui in your home, because it may begin to exacerbate something in your life, it may start to point arrows or push your buttons so that you start to work on whatever it is that you need to work on. So it's actually really a gift sometimes to have these feng shui no-nos because that means that your subconscious mind is ready and you're ready to open up to this instead of um, you're not, you're awakening to how you can grow and the quote unquote bad feng shui actually teaches you something. And it's actually a blessing because it's saying, hey, you're ready to work on this. Exactly. So that would be number one, if we're, cause we're going to do, we're going to listicle this obviously, because you know, that's how, <laughs> that's how I wrote it. Um, that's another debate, <laughs> listicles. Yeah. Listicle. <laughs> so, okay. So I have number two that I wrote down on my notes. Cause I did this like really quickly. I was like, okay, what are top of mind? What are they? What are they? So one that I know I get a lot is you should never have plants in the bedroom. And this is a thing that, you know, different practitioners have different opinions on this. Overall, I think for me, and uh, Angie, you can chime in, but for me, I can't imagine a time when a plant is a bad thing to have in your bedroom. So there is the idea that a parent, you know, that it obviously uh, at night that plants reverse, they they take oxygen and create CO2. And, but there are plants actually you can find that do the reverse, that at night they create oxygen. So I think, you know, you have to pick the plants, but I think overall you have to have an awful lot of plants in your bedroom to start being concerned about CO2 levels. So, and, and then at that point, if you have so many plants in your bedroom that there's leaves, every, it's just then, you're, then we're moving into a whole different discussion beyond plants and maybe more of a hoarding issue and you know, clutter issue. But I think overall, plants in the bedroom, not a problem. But, you know, I know different uh, practitioners differ on that. Yeah. And I think this ties into different opinions and there's different schools of feng shui. And we were taught by our teachers to be inclusive, that all feng shui schools are accurate and correct. And there's a reason to receive, you know, that you've maybe received some information. So with that, maybe, you know, we've been taught and we, and Laura and I, we've always stuck to one boat, which is the BTV boat. 
And in the BTB boat, they say that plants in the bedroom are okay. And I've heard from people who, you know, read lots of different internet articles and books, and they've said, well, some practitioners may say that there's too much active energy in the bedroom. Or I think that's it. So too much draining, chi draining, I think I've heard too. Oh, I haven't heard that. So but mm-hmm. we weren't taught this. So we're going we're going with the boat that's still sailing on our <laughs> we still have so much to learn in our own boat, right? So we're sticking to our boat, but we're not saying anyone else's boat is incorrect. But what I would challenge you is to look at this for yourself, examine it for yourself. So if you have trouble sleeping, and you think it might be because of the plants, then take the plants out of your bedroom. It's not a big deal. And if you know you still can't sleep and you bring the plants in and there's still, you know, there's no difference, you, you know, it's up for you. It's up to you to decide. It's not, again, these are guidelines and everyone's chi is a little bit different. And there's always exceptions to the rules. Like the professor always says, it depends. In general, Laura and I, from our personal experience and from our working with clients for years and working with students, plants have never been an issue in the bedroom. But if you feel like it's affecting your sleep, we really want you to like try, take it out. We want you to get sleep. So (laughs) so we want you to be supported in your bedroom. So try taking them out and see what happens. And then, and also there's many different ways to work with whatever is troubling you in your bedroom. So we say, try it out. And also, if you feel that if you've made this connection to this plant is harm, you know, making my bedroom harmful, then that already mm-hmm. creates some negative energy because you've already created this fear of it. So that's something to acknowledge too. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I have to say about that. Number two, number three, So we all get excited about feng shui. Well, not maybe not all of us. I mean, probably all the people listening to this, I'm assuming, or you wouldn't be here. But we get excited about feng shui. And sometimes when we start to learn about the bagua, which is a very interesting tool and a very interesting way to examine a space in your home, we feel that maybe more is more. So if you learn that, oh my goodness, there's a wealth area, there's a love area, there's a health area, wait, there's also helpful people. Oh my God, there's so many things. These are all amazing things that I want all of it. So then what happens is there's this feeling that, well, if I can adjust one area of the Bagua or my home to create, you know, enhance and make something happen in that part of my life, wouldn't it be better if I did all nine areas (laughs) (laughs) or more, like just so many, so many. So this is something that we are always challenging people to do or telling them to go slowly, don't do too much, try to focus on one or two areas, and also like examine why you're adjusting those areas. I mean, really, this is, you know, when we work with a client and when we were talking to our students about this, I mean, there, there's, some, there's some, some awareness that is involved around this, you know, and there's some digging that needs to be done before you decide which area to activate. Yeah, I, this is definitely a... This one kind of is a no-no, but you know, of course, if you do it, that's okay. So there's like this buffet, right? And you want everything, which is natural. But there's something that we talk about in Buddhism called hungry ghosts. And hungry ghosts are a type of being 
that they have a small mouth, a long skinny neck, and a big stomach. So they're always, they always they're never satisfied and they want more and more and more and more, but they're, they can never be satisfied. So just notice if that's where you're coming from. And notice if you're coming from this perspective that, you know, you just want a little bit of everything, but that can also affect how your feng shui works because you're spread so thin. And also I've noticed about adjusting all the feng shui areas. It's just simply, it's just overwhelming. And then you don't do anything. I also look at it as trying to like, when you do your makeup, so you, we have a lot of women, um, listen, female listeners, right? And like, if it's like put, it's like uh, curling your hair, mat, lots of mascara, fake eyelashes, big eyebrows, blue eyeshadow, red lipstick, blush, big earrings, big necklace, bling on your teeth. I don't know. It's like everything. <laughs> it's like just trying to do everything. And then you're like, wow, that's kind of crazy. Or you could emphasize, be subtle and emphasize something and really highlight something that needs highlighting. So that's really the best way. And also they say in the I Ching, so feng shui has a lot of its foundations in Taoism and the I Ching is the book of divination and, and one of the foundational books in Taoism. And the idea is that the I Ching is a book of changes and so things are always changing. So when you're at the top and you're trying to make everything perfect, then the only place you have to go is down. So it's like a sine wave, you're at the top of the apex. So really it's about kind of keeping balance and working with things as they come up rather than getting overwhelmed and trying to make everything perfect. Yeah, starting small and working with things organically to improve really. And then you kind of make changes along the way. But yes, the Bagua is very exciting. So number three would be trying to adjust every area of the Bagua is, again, not a no-no, but most likely not going to work so well for you. Number four, trying to change someone else's feng shui without permission. So that's what I wrote down. So sometimes we get questions about, and it's natural. It's totally normal. You know, that you're dealing with somebody that you can't, somebody's doing something you don't like, or somebody won't do something that you, or isn't doing something you want them to do, or, you know, and feng shui is such a powerful practice because we know how it works when we use it for ourselves that we're saying, okay, well, why don't I just try and make that person do something that I want them to do? Are there ways, you know, and they'll come to us and say, how can I make so-and-so stop doing this? Oh yeah. Uh, and or how can I make my child study harder? Or how can I make this person love me more? And so, I mean, that's going into territory that is not comfortable for a practitioner to go into. I think it's something that needs to be handled skillfully when you have a client that sort of brings that to you. Because at the end of the day, when you do feng shui, you have to have the permission, the acknowledgement, and the participation of the person you're doing feng shui with. I mean, really fundamentally. Right? Yeah, definitely. I think that a lot of people think, oh, how do I change my neighbor? How do I change my kids? And then I even had someone tell me, a listener that hired me for a consultation, tell me that she was actually inadvertently trying to change someone because she had read in a book that she should put 
like she wanted to get along better with her coworkers. And she wrote in, uh, she read that if she puts their names and did like some feng shui on their names that it would help their situation. And I, and I said, well, you know, that's kind of manipulating someone else's energy. And it's a real iffy subject. And I, and here's what I always say, flip the situation in a couple ways, flip the situation. One, would you want someone to put your name on like something and put feng shui stuff on it? No, that doesn't feel good, right? You don't want someone manipulating your energy. And of course there's exceptions. Like someone can be truly, you know, selfless about it. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, it's not really your responsibility to try to change someone because it's not their problem. It's your problem. They don't, they may have no idea that you have a problem with it. And then really in general, when you have a problem with someone or you want to change someone, it's a mirror for you. So instead of trying to change their energy, like, oh, how do I make my neighbors shut up? or not be so loud, or be not be so aggressive. They're really being aggressive towards me. All you could do is change yourself. So how is that a mirror for how you can change? How is this a mirror for what you can do? So it's about shifting your own chi and not trying to change anyone else. And that's huge because again, would you want, what you know? What if you found out someone had done a little feng shui cure to, so that you would go away or that you would change your attitude and it's really unethical, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think having said all that, what we would do when somebody does come with us, and there are clients that come to us and say, okay, I'm having issues with my neighbor. And all we can offer, and we have a lot to offer, is really protection, working with the home, working with your, with that client's personal chi, working with a way to seal the home so that you know, if there are feelings of animosity or there are issues out there that when they come through into the home that they're transformed into compassion. And uh, so we have many techniques to protect, many techniques to transform, and also many techniques to strengthen the client or the person's personal chi so that they're able to deal with these situations that are not great, that they can't control. Because, you know, I mean, how many little quotes to people say, you know, you hear all these little platitudes and these quotes saying, you know, you can't change the world. All you can really do is change yourself. You know, the situation, situations are going to come up. Things are going to be difficult in life. And what the only thing you truly can control is how you react to them. Right. So I think, you know, just changing your frame of mind on that. I think probably there may be listeners out there that have thought about this or saying, oh, okay. It's not that you're doing anything wrong. Just change your perspective. Say, okay, so maybe I don't want to talk about controlling them or changing them. Maybe I want to see what I can do in my own situation, uh, my own feng shui that can strengthen it and protect or you know, uh, set me up or put me out there or put me in a frame of reference or you know, make me shine more or make me, you know, all these great things or, or strengthen my chi so that when I show up, I, I show up differently. So, or, or a better version of myself. Yeah. And one more thought too, is sometimes when we're really focused on other people, how other people can improve or be fixed, it's a really a distraction and covering up, but mostly a distraction from you working on yourself. Yeah. Okay. Drum roll number five. Number five is 
and I think we talked about this in the last episode when we were talking to Stacy. Yeah, is trying to do your own feng shui. Okay, so before, which is not necessarily a no-no. Again, none of these are super hard and fast no-nos because there's always, again, nuances. We have to unpack them. So trying to do your own feng shui, what does that mean? Obviously, many of us, the listeners are reading our books. Angie has a book. I have a book. We have a podcast. We publish blogs. You know, posts. We, do, you know, we're always you know sharing information of things that you can try and things that you can do, and and we always keep them in things that are easy, that are simple, that you can play with, that get you curious, that allow you to explore the practice. But when it really, when you come to a, and, and many of us will, and that's why people come to us personally on a client level, when you get that email or saying, you know, this X, Y, Z is happening and I don't know why, and I've tried this, this, and this, or I, I'm not even going to try because I don't know where to start. That's really when you need to bring in someone that is trained, you know, and work with a consultant, a practitioner, because they have the skillfulness, they have the, the eyes to see they have the tools, they've learned the techniques to be able to, to have a conversation with you, to figure out what's happening, to make it be, you know, again, it's not, they're not going to come in and start pointing at stuff and, you know, whirlwind. It's not that, that's not what happens. You know, sitting with you, discussing, figuring out what's going on, looking at the design details, examining has talking to you, those kind of things, seeing things that you would never see. And nor is it your responsibility because you're so close to it, right? It's your, it's so personal and it's so subjective that it's really important to have someone with that, almost that beginner's mind, like that, that first view of something like when they come in fresh, fresh eyes like that. So that's part of the reason why it's good to work with someone else and not try to go really deep on your own feng shui. Yeah, last night we had a call with our mentor, Rosalie Principali. So she was, she is our teacher. And just so you know, in our certification program, well, actually not in our certification program, but with our graduates and students, we really honor our lineage and we invite our teachers to teach because they have so much more knowledge than us, actually. And also they have a different approach. So it's really just a win-win for everyone. And then we also want to support our teachers who have supported us for so long and blessed us with their teachings. So Rosalie was on this call and this came up and she, she really phrased it so well. She was saying, you know, our homes are representations of ourself. And with that, when we look at our homes and we analyze our own feng shui, we're only seeing it from our perspective. So she said, it's kind of like trying to do your own therapy, which is helpful at some point. And we all do that, of course. So it is great to make adjustments in your own home and adjust your feng shui. But at some point to really make breakthroughs and move the patterns or work through the knots that we created for ourselves, we can't see those but someone else can. So it doesn't have to be through feng shui, but feng shui is our example here that you can only go so far looking at your own stuff. Bringing in different eyes can start to, it's very clear for other people, but we have our own rose-colored glasses on and ignore the things that we want to ignore. So it's so, it's so helpful. 
And again, it doesn't have to be through feng shui. It can be through therapy. It can be through other healing modalities. But we find that with feng shui, really, we go deep. For instance, you know, in our certification program, we have a weekly collaboration group for our grads and for our students. And we're going to start to look at everyone else's floor plans too, because if I want to make a change, I can only go so far by like looking at my own floor plan. So Laura can look at my floor plan and other people can look at my floor plans because we were always taught like, don't do your own feng shui, bring someone else in. Yes. Good. So that was it. Number five, try not to do your own feng shui with the caveat that obviously have fun, play around with some of the, all the stuff that we give you and, and, and say, try and play with are all, you know, absolutely fun enhancements and active, but when you really need to dive deep or if you're feeling really stuck and blocked, you're probably going to need to bring someone else in to get fresh eyes. Um, or you can also join our certification program yeah. and become Nicole a Zenia will get it though, but then because you, you get it with one of us does it still in yeah. level one, level one, Angie or I, that's part of it. We do a, a functional consultation for each of the students so that they can get that experience. And they kind of like a, we case study our own students and all the students get to benefit. So yeah, it's really mm -hmm. good. It's part of it, right? Working yeah. On your yeah. Own and then you also learn beyond the superficial Barnes and Noble feng shui that, that you just read the generic feng shui, you actually start to understand the guidelines and nuances. So if you find that this practice really resonates with you, check out one of our upcoming free info sessions. Mm -hmm. And we do them all live. So Laura and I are all about doing things live because we want to really connect with everyone energetically. And it's more fun for us too. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this earlier episode of the Holistic Spaces podcast. Now you can tune in every Monday for a new podcast episode. If you like our podcast and this episode, please share the podcast with others subscribe, and even better, leave a review. If you'd like to explore the world of holistic spaces and feng shui on an even deeper level, please visit our website, online store, and blog for more information about feng shui and holistic living. You can visit holisticspaces.com. Support the podcast by checking out our certification and mini courses at mindfuldesignschool.com. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week.